This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was afraid this was going to happen. People think they can skip church in the morning because they're going to come at night. You tell your friends it's not going to fly with me because when I see them tonight. Oh, by the way, we're having a service tonight. We're going through the seven churches of Revelation in the book of Revelation, which is pretty sweet. I'm really excited about Um, We are going to be doing the church in Ephesus tonight, so I look forward to, if you want to come back out and hang out, that'd be great. If not, then whatever, go do your own thing. You guys doing well? Did you have a good week last week? Hanging in there? You all right? Yeah? If you need a Bible, please raise your hand so we can get you a Bible. We are going to be starting the book of Ecclesiastes today, which I'm very excited about. But uh, one thing that's true about the book of Ecclesiastes is that it is a very difficult book. Not very many people would choose it. I don't know why I did, other than I'd like to say, what? Vanity! Vanity! Yeah, we love vanity. Other than I like to say that uh, maybe the Lord is leading us by the Holy Spirit, which is our... Yeah, that's our, that's our goal. But anyway, one of the reasons that the book of Ecclesiastes is, is a difficult book is because it's so pessimistic. It's difficult because vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And we're going to look at what that means this morning. We're going to look at how this applies to our lives, New Testament covenant Christians. And, and I believe it does. I believe that there's a purpose, obviously, that God has for all of his scripture, but specifically for this, I, I believe that he has a special message for us that's very timely for today. The title that I have for our study through Ecclesiastes, the, the, whole, the whole book, is um, Eternity in Our Hearts. This is the verse from chapter 3 that we're not going to reference right now. We will look at when we get to chapter 3, but really it speaks of God having an eternal purpose for each one of us. And him placing that in the heart of man. And no matter what man does throughout life, you know, mankind, men, women, whatever is their drive, whatever is their motivation, whatever they they seek after, they hunger after, they thirst after, if those things are connected to the temporary, the temporal, then you will find no satisfaction, which brings us to the title of today's message, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, the title is, Can't Get No Satisfaction. Thank you, Chris. Everybody laughed the first service, and I said, I said, nobody's going to get that in the second service. That's what I said. One brother. Can't get, no, he barely got it. (laughs) I'm cool with it. I'm cultured. Cultured. Ecclesiastes, also known as wisdom literature, it goes along with Psalms, Proverbs, 
So we're going to get some great insight here from people will debate if, the, if this is a, a descendant of David. We'll see in the opening lines and talk a little bit about that. But I personally believe that it is Solomon because it kind of, it, that is the way that it's expressed. But we have some very valuable lessons that, that he wants to teach us tonight. So, or today, <laughs> going to start doing that. So, can't get no satisfaction, Ecclesiastes, eternity in our hearts. If you haven't turned there yet, I'd like to encourage you to do that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for another day that we can wake up and we live, move, and have our being in you. you. You breathed your life into us, and not only that first initial life, but you breathe life into us every single day. We need the, the indwelling manifestation of your Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Because when we walk in your spirit, we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, and we can really see your purpose being fulfilled in and through our lives. So God, we pray that you'd speak to us by your word. We pray that you would teach us this morning, that you'd bring things up that maybe we haven't thought about in a while, maybe we've never thought about. But for our instruction, for our edification, so that we can submit ourselves to you again and see that divine purpose fulfilled in our lives, Father. We thank you so much for that sweet time of worship with the fruit of our lips we offer to you, God. You are good, and we want to sing it from the rooftops. You are good, and we love you with all of our hearts. We also thank you, God, for this, this time of worship that we can have but in the studying of your word, and also, Lord, with our tithes and offerings, we offer to you, we give them to you, not out of duty, not out of sacrifice, not out of obligation, but out of worship, God, because we love you, we love what you're doing, and we want to be a part of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray these things together in Jesus' name, amen. So Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, eternity in our hearts, can't get no satisfaction. This is something that, that I had come to an understanding in, and, and I think that to one degree or another, I don't want to push it too far, but I think everybody has to be able to identify with Ecclesiastes and what Solomon is saying before they can really come to a place where they're willing to submit their lives to God. Because you find in life that there are things that draw you, there's drives, there's hungers, there's things that you want to be a part of, things that you want to see happen in life because it's life and it's your life. But I found that as you go down that road, and this is my testimony in a nutshell, that, that I still couldn't find any satisfaction in relationships, in success, in failure. I, I've shared this with you guys before. When I turned 18, I, I, I came into a, a large amount of money and blew through it in one year. I went from to rich as an 18-year-old kid to broke the next year. I, and I got to the point where I was like, I was working a nine-to-five job. And the only reason that I was working, it wasn't because I liked the job. It wasn't because I liked going there. It was because I needed a paycheck so that I could party with my friends on the weekend. And I realized one day that I was getting up on Monday morning to go to work and I was like, I'm literally going to work so I can spend all my money on rent, gas, insurance, and partying. And that's it. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is vanity. 
This is meaningless. It doesn't have any value in my life. And why am I living like this? And I found myself at the end of myself. And it was at that point where I cried out to God and said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to run in this rat race because I recognize that it's in vanity, that it's vain, and that it's all, in the grand scheme of things, it's meaningless. And the Lord, at that moment, was able to present himself to me and say, Tim, you have, as we talked about a few weeks ago, Tim, you have a little lowercase p plan for your life. And it's not working out too well, is it? But I've got a a big P I've got a divine plan. I've got a divine purpose for you. And if you can bring yourself to laying your life down, giving me your life, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you and I'm going to give you a life that, that you would never believe if, if, if I was to tell you up front. The transfer from the small P purpose, I'm into P's lately, I don't know why, the small P purpose to the big P purpose. And long story short, this is, I don't want to get into it, but it's an incredible story. I got a phone call on Thursday. And they said, hey, I'm looking for Tim Warholic. And, and long story short, it ended up being the pastor of the church that I rededicated my life to, my, my life at. I didn't rededicate my life to the church. I rededicated my life to the Lord at, at this church 18 years ago. In 2000. This is 2018, right? Okay. Um, and I'm like, I, and I thought back, 18 years, all the cool stuff that God has done in my life and how if it were me left to my own devices, I would be in a world of trouble and hurt. But I have an incredible wife, an amazing five kids, an awesome church family, and get to be part of the big P purpose of God's kingdom coming in this part, this area of Las Vegas. And I'm blown away. 18 years. I was talking to them, and I was like, this is what was happening. You remember? And I know that he didn't remember talking to me 18 years ago, but there was a definite connection. And then I can identify that it wasn't my doing. It all went back to that night in my apartment when God said, if you want to be in charge, Tim, you can be in charge. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to twist your pinky finger. I'm not going to grab you by the ear. I'm telling you, if you want to be in charge, this is the way your life is going to look. If you let me take care of you, your life's going to look much differently. So I can identify with King Solomon. I can identify with, with this book, Ecclesiastes, in that if it's part of the small P purpose, nothing good's going to come out of it. It's just, it's just meaningless. It's nothing. If it's God's purpose, God's plan, you're going to be blessed and receive satisfaction is how we're going to end tonight. Let's look at chapter 1, verse 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, King in Jerusalem. Now, this word preacher also is the same word, Ecclesiastes, and it's this person, this orator, this preacher that's proclaiming this message. It's, 
it could be teacher, it could be professor, whatever the case may be. It's a person who has been educated in the school of hard knock, so to speak, because that's what he's going to be talking about too. We'll see when we get there. He says that, that uh, I've experienced these things and, and this is what I have to say to you. Look at it like in this kind of a picture. Think of, this is, many people believe this could be King Solomon. It, well advanced in his years. He's an old man now. He's experienced all of the things that he experienced as king, the greatest king in the, in the history. He was the wisest man in the, in the history of the world. He accumulated the most. He was the richest. He was this incredible man. And now he says, hey, listen, I'm an old guy now, an old fogey. Listen, I want to impart some wisdom to you. Take this to heart. Verse 2, our favorite verse. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, we look at the contrast. When you think of something that's vain and you have vanity of vanities, that means that you're at the bottom of the barrel, right? This isn't just something that's vain. It's not just something that, that has no meaning or worth in your life. It's, the, it's lower. It's, it's the vanity of vanities. You can't get any lower than that. Think of the contrast. What's the contrast of, of vanity of vanities? Biblically speaking, we'll say the holy of holies. What was the holy of holies? Holy of Holies was the exact place that God dwelt among his people, the nation of Israel. So you have the Holy of Holies, you have a holy place, but then you have the Holy of Holies, which is the most incredible place. And then you have vanity of vanities, the worst that you can get, worse than, more worse than anything that you can imagine. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of, this is a difficult word for us to really grasp in English, translated from the Hebrew. What it is in Hebrew is hevel. So it's hevel, hevel, everything is hevel. And hevel get, comes across, has this meaning of temporary, fleeting, meaningless. And he says this word hevel or, or vanity 38 times in this book of 12 chapters. That's a lot of times, isn't it? 38 times in 12 chapters means this is something that he's very serious about. And he wants us to understand hevel, hevel. 38 times. The word, the meaning of the word hevel is, is we, we have this kind of idea of like a cloud of smoke or something. And you see this smoke and it's clearly it has some structure. You can see it. But whenever you go to grab it, it completely evades your grasp. There's no way you can grab any of that smoke. I was thinking about it and I also thought of bubbles because people like bubbles. Smoke, they're like, what, what are you trying to grab smoke for? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's true. Why would I want to grab smoke? Anyway, but you want to grab a bubble? Everybody wants to grab bubbles. You start blowing bubbles. People are swinging their arms in the air. I want a bubble. What happens when you touch the bubble? Pop. It's gone. Hevel. Hevel. Vanity. It may have some form, some semblance, something you can identify with. But when you try to get a hold of it, there's nothing there. Maybe you get a pop and you get a little soap on your eye and you scratch your eye and ah! you know your kids are screaming because they got soap in their eye. That too is meaningless. Hevel. <laughs> so it's this idea of something that, that, that appears that you can get a hold of, but, but it's impossible to get a hold of. That's vanity. I remember the first time that I was... Maybe not the first time I was in a plane, but one of the first times I was in a plane and I was over this, this thick, 
fluffy canopy of clouds. You guys ever flown above the clouds and you go below the clouds? It's really a trip. It's a lot of fun. We were above and the sun was really bright. And then we had this big canopy of this blanket of clouds. And it was the first time that I'd ever gone down through the clouds. When we took off, there was no clouds. We're coming down though. And there's all these clouds. And as we're coming down, uh, descending to get to the airport, we're getting close to the clouds. I kind of start to tense up a little bit, you know, like clouds. As soon as we get down into the clouds, you know, it's a little shake or something like that. Because they're clouds, you know, there's lightning in there and water and all kinds of stuff. So I didn't know what to expect. So I kind of like braced for even just a little turbulence or something. I'll never forget, dip down into the clouds, the window turns completely white, and that's it. Not, not a tumble, nothing. Not even a little jolt. Vanity, yeah, it, it looks like it has form. It looks like it has purpose to keep a, a barrier, but it was, it was nothing. It was empty. It was fleeting. This is what the writer of Ecclesiastes, King Solomon, wants us to understand. He says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And then he goes into these three questions that we're going to look at initially, but then we're going to conclude with as well to kind of give us a picture of, of where he's coming from and what he's trying to talk about. Verse 3, what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. So here's three things, three questions we're going to look at. If you're taking notes, jot these down. Number one, vanity. What's the meaning of something? Vanity. What's the purpose? What's the meaning? Number two, profit. How much do you benefit from that thing? We'll get into that in just a second. And then third, toil. How much work is required for you to put into that thing? So number one, vanity is something that has meaning. Number two, what profit has a man from all his labor? You and I both know, listen, you agree with me. You and I both know that you don't do stuff without some kind of profit being involved. Even if it's in a relationship, you know, you don't just do something for no reason. You, you do something, you toil, you work for a purpose. And this word in the Hebrew that he uses for profit is a business term. It's, it's to gain, it's to make something. And here he says, what profit has a man from all his labor? And you and I could ask ourselves the same question. What profit has a man? What does he gain from all his labor? I don't know if you guys were reading the news this week, but if you were, you saw that Amazon was the second company in U.S. history to reach uh, a value of a trillion dollars. A trillion dollars. Now, they're second to... Apple, which reached a trillion dollars earlier this year, not to, to saying that for any other reason than a trillion dollars, is a ton of money. Do you guys know how much a trillion dollars is? How much is a trillion dollars? Well, let me tell you something. A million dollars is about three and a half feet tall if you, you stacked $100 bills on top of each other. Three and a half feet tall, that's a million dollars. And you say a billion dollars. How much is a billion dollars? Well, a billion dollars, if you stacked a billion dollars from the ground all the way up, anybody have any ideas how much a billion dollars is? Taller than the tallest building in the world at 0.63 miles tall. A billion dollars. Now, how much is a trillion dollars? You guys know how much a trillion dollars is? 
A trillion dollars is two and a half times the height of the International Space Station. That's a trillion dollars. You try to wrap your head around that. I'll stick with the million. Anybody got a three and a half feet tall of $100 bills? I don't care about trillion. I don't care about billion. I just want a million. That's all. And this is the question that many people ask. What's the profit from my labor? And you can statistically analyze Amazon and Apple and say, how did they make this much money or how are they doing these things? But listen, at the end of the day, each one of those people, you talk to them and and they are all in the same position. Their lives, at the end of their lives, are meaningless. Some of these ultra-rich people that have really been successful, for a handful of them, it's been reported that when they, they were asked as they were expiring, hey, if there's anything you could do uh, that you'd want out of life that, that you could go back and change or do differently, what would you do? And multiple of them said, I would do this differently so that I can make more money. For what? So you could have $100 bills past the International Space Station and then you can die and hand it off to somebody else? There's no, there's no purpose in that. It's vanity. It's meaningless. It's temporal. And what the author, what Solomon wants us to understand about this book, Ecclesiastes, is this. There's two perspectives in life that you can have. Every single one of you this morning, myself included. If you focus on the things that are temporal, and if you focus on the things of this world that we're going to see the next phrase talks about, you are never going to get any true satisfaction in life. But, that's the little p, Whose purpose? My purpose. But if you focus on the capital P, God's purpose, there comes fulfillment, satisfaction, peace, joy, and eternity. This is the difference. And one of the things that I find very interesting about Solomon talking about these things, he's coming like as a a grandfather, a wise old man, and he's saying, please listen to me. Please understand this. But multiple times in this book, he references God as well. And we see this picture, we see the world going crazy. And it's just vanity, vanity, all is vanity. But sometimes we as believers can transfer this into our own lives and get more set on the little P than the big P. And as soon as we start going down the road of the little P, my purpose or plan, the satisfaction of eternal life and life with God begins to diminish. Here's the third thing. First was vanity. Second's profit. The third is what profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun. This phrase in which he toils under the sun is used 32 times in this book. 32 times in 12 short chapters, which means it's another thing that he really wants us to understand. He is not talking about big picture stuff. He's talking about small p, little picture stuff. I told you I'm on a roll with the P's. Little picture, not the big picture. Everything that happens under the sun means however high that sun arches in the air, everything that happens underneath that is all the things of this world. Everything that you hustle for, everything that you strive for, everything that you toil, I love that word, toil for. If it's to be aligned with the small p, then it's going to be done in vain. It's going to be done in vanity. But there's good news. 
Because if there is a small p, then there very clearly has to be a big P, and that is which, that's that which is above the orbit of the sun, the eternal perspective of God. And that is really, I believe, the heart of the book of Ecclesiastes. We'll talk about that toward the end as well. But, but another P, you didn't think I was serious when I said I like P's down, do you? You take notes and count how many P's. We got perspective. That's really, I believe, something that, that we can learn through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's perspective. When you start to look at things in an eternal nature, then your perspective changes. And if you start to look at things through your purpose or success on earth, then you start to go in the wrong direction, the way of the world, what Solomon's talking about. And he's going to break down how he knows this. So consider these three questions that we just looked at. We're going to go through the rest, and then we're going to address them at the end. Now he goes into this, this, uh, this section where it's not just about the toil of man or the profit of man or the vanity of man. This is how it seems the whole planet functions, not even just humanity. It's like uh, Earth has been blocked up. It's frustrated. Starting in verse 5, the sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rose. The wind goes toward the south, turns around to the north, and the wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea. This is my favorite one. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from, the, from which the rivers come, there they return again. You ever think about that? You got all these rivers flowing to the sea. And, and every, I, I, there was a time in my life where I was kind of dumb and I didn't get it. You know, I'm like, all oh, these rivers going to the sea. And I stand on the same beach here and the water's always the same place. How come it doesn't ever get any higher? It doesn't get any lower. The water's always right here. Yeah, and you have the ebb and the flow of the tide or whatever. But for, this, for the most part, people... You see the people build their houses on stilts right on the water? I'm like, aren't you scared? That's the boundary for the water. That's where it's set. The rivers keep flowing into the sea, into the ocean, but it doesn't change the height. And he says, vanity, it's a treadmill, you know, it just keeps going. And, and it gets evaporated back up into the clouds and it gets showered again and it creates rivers and they flow back into the sea and nothing changes. And, and their labor, their toil is done in vain. Verse 8, all things are full of labor, as we just saw. Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Now that goes for one person or another, you know. The the eye is not satisfied for this. I love to go out in 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 God's creation, go out and hike, and my eyes never get enough of seeing God's beauty in creation. And other people, um, their ears never fill with all the hearing. They they just information and talking, and it turns into all kinds of other stuff as well. The eye's not satisfied. The ear's not satisfied. That which has been is what it will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. 
I didn't pay attention a lot when I was in school, when I was in high school. I was very involved in school. I was a socialite. I loved to be in extracurriculars. I was the vice president of my sophomore class. I played sports. Every, every sport that played, you know, I was playing in, in one of them, and, and I was very involved, you know, but I didn't care about learning. That's dumb. That's not why I go to high school is to learn stuff. And I go to have fun and hang out with my friends and chill with my girlfriend and I would check out during class, you know, but there was one teacher, I think it was my sophomore year too, there was one teacher, my social studies teacher, they even teach social studies anymore? That's a shame. Good class. Who said one thing to our, our class at the beginning of the school that kind of stuck with me even in that ignorant state that I was in and has stuck with me to this day today. And I don't know why it was so profound to me, but it just kind of was, you know. He said, there's one thing I want to teach you guys about history and about social studies. This is the most important thing that you're ever going to learn. Write it down. History repeats itself. History repeats itself. And, and you'll see rises and falls of kingdom. We can look back and kind of navigate the trajectory, see where we're at. And sometimes people don't even want to listen you know, they don't want to listen to you. Oh, it's not going to end up that way. It's not going to be like that. But yeah, because the communists and the socialists and the capitalists and, every, you know, everybody's got a, a trajectory that we should be going on because of the past. And we're going to reap what we sow. We're going to continue to go on this big cyclical adventure over and over again of rises and falls. And how can we make it last a little bit longer so we're in the glory days or whatever the case may be. But but the but truth remains that everything under the sun has 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 happened that which will be that which has been will is what will be and that which is done is what will be done and there is nothing new under the sun is there anything of which it may be said see this is new it has already been in ancient times before us there is no remembrance of former things nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. This is, this is kind of controversial thing. You guys know how I love to bring up controversial stuff. It's kind of weird to talk about or to bring up and say, but do you know that there's actually people who are propagating very passionately? They're saying that the Holocaust never happened. And they're trying to wipe out any historical evidence that the Holocaust, is that insane? That's crazy. But here's, here's what it goes back to. Everything under the sun has happened before. And the next generation that comes, whether people want to forget it or erase it from history or not, people are going to forget. You're going to go back to this cycle again of rising and falling, reaping and sowing, remembering no more. But nothing's new. It's all happened before. It's all been done. One commentator uh, that I read about that said that, uh, well, there are new things, you know, like there's new technology and stuff. And I'm like, come on, man, shut up. You get it. The point is that, that things needed to always be done. Now we just find different ways to do them. That's not new. It's just doing it differently, right? It's just doing it differently. It's not new. Everything's the same under the sun. 
So we see the first section, he, he starts to open us up with this vanity of vanities and profit and toil. And he goes, how the, how the earth also, it's, it's the same thing, goes back to man seeing and hearing, history, all's the same. And then he goes into verse 12 and he starts to give his personal explanation of the vanity that he has experienced. And it is kind of that old school kind of like, hey, listen, this is what I learned. I want to teach you. I want to help you out. Oh, whatever, old man. You don't know what you're talking about. My life's going to be different. It's going to be awesome. But, but this is really serious stuff that I want you guys to consider. Whatever. Verse 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under the heaven. This burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. That's an interesting phrase if you want to underline it or you can think about it later. The purpose is that God has set into place. He, he seeks to set his heart after wisdom. He wants to understand, have discernment. And then it says that, that God has given these things so that men can be exercised, so that we can, that we can grow in understanding to some degree. Verse 14, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. How does he qualify that statement? He says, listen, I've seen everything under the sun. There's that phrase again. I've seen everything. And you know how he qualifies it? He says, I was the king of the nation. And I set myself. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into this. So I gave myself to, to all these different things and to all these different people. And I wanted to learn and I gave myself to wisdom. And what happened? I recognized that with everything, everything under the sun, there was vanity. It was all vanity. It was a grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. And what is lacking cannot be numbered. Verse 16, I commune with my heart, saying, look, I have attained greatness and I've gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. Look at that three times he says his heart. Do you know what your heart is? Your heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? And this is the purpose that I bring that up because he is looking inside of himself introspectively saying, how can I figure this all out? How can I make it make sense? How can I put it together? And how many of you have tried to figure it all out? Don't be shy. Raise your hand. You try to figure it. Have you tried to figure it all out? Figure your own life out. Figure out why stuff is happening the way it's happening. Figure out why God isn't, you know, submitting to your plan that you submitted to him. And what's going on right now, God? This wasn't in the book. This is what wasn't what I agreed with you about. He says, I commune within my heart and, and, I, and I sought wisdom. I sought to, to understand. I was, I was the richest. I was the greatest. I was the wisest. He's saying, if you want to learn from anybody, learn from me because I was numero uno. I was number one head honcho and this is my estimation. Kind of reminds me of the apostle Paul. He says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. Do you know how... Paul can identify himself as being the chiefest of sinners because he experienced the amazing abundance of God's grace. Then you see yourself where you really are, the abundance of God's mercy. He said, I elevated myself. I puffed myself up. My heart and I communed. We talked, hey, heart, look at how cool you are. Look how much money you made. Look, you're the king. Look, you're the smartest guy ever. What did you learn? 
I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. Hevel, hevel, vanity. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Here's an interesting takeaway. The more wise somebody seems to to be, the more wise somebody wants to be, the more problems you can identify and see in life. In much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. This is my perspective. I was the greatest king in history, richest, wisest. This is what I'm submitting to you guys. I want you to understand this. Now we have to go back to the beginning and we have to ask ourselves those three questions one more time. What were those three questions? Number one, vanity. Vanity? What is the meaning? What's the meaning? So, If you're doing something and you want to identify if it's vain or not, if it's meaningful or meaningless, there's one way that you could do it. There's only two choices. If you're trying to connect to the little P, the little purpose, your will, what you want, it will end up vanity. Period. It doesn't matter what it is, what you'd like it to be. Little P equals vanity. If you identify with the capital P, if you identify that God does have a good purpose for your life and that you're falling in line in submission to him and his purpose, then what do you get? Satisfaction. Because how you were made, how you were created, is now communing with your eternal God and Father. The things of this world are going to pass away. Anything you invest into that world is meaningless. The things that you invest into the eternal, God's purpose is going to have meaning and is going to give you purpose and bring you satisfaction. I have a good friend of mine who's my age. We both started same place in life. Um, Dorks. We were just total dorks. That was our position, our socioeconomic status. We were nobodies. And at this point in his life, here we are. I'm with you guys in paradise. Yeah. Here we are in paradise. Yeah. There you go. Should we give it another time? In paradise. Yeah, come on. That's a little better. Thank you, ladies on the left. And he is a millionaire. Probably by now he's a multimillionaire. And like I said, he's a good friend of mine. So we still talk. We hang out. And... And um, I was talking to him recently, and, and as, I was, as I was talking to him, I, I noticed that, that there's, there's like a little, there's a little emptiness, you know, there's a little something missing. And, and, and he said, hey, you know what I want to do next? You know what? I'm like, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to be a billionaire, you know, because he's like, I'm a millionaire already. I'm like, dude, that's only three and a half feet, dude, you know? Come on. We, everybody knows that. He's like, no, I want to be a billionaire. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, but then what, what about after that? What about, what about then? And it's just this cycle of, of sowing into the, the carnal, the, the temporal, the temporary, and, and getting no satisfaction. And, and I don't know what he would say if I was to ask him. 
But I can see that there's some issues. Something's happening. He doesn't have satisfaction in his life the way that he thought he would. And he's really excited about a billion dollars for some reason. But then on the other, on the other side, you, we meet people who have nothing who have absolutely nothing. I've been all over the world, been hanging out with these orphans in Africa who are the happiest they've ever been in their entire life because you'll sit down with them and talk to them about Jesus. They don't care if you have $10 in your, in your pocket. They have genuine satisfaction. And the opposite of that is this chasing of the wind, this grasping, this yearning for something that you're never going to be able to attain. You're never going to be able to get. So question number one, vanity, what is the meaning? We should ask ourselves, in our lives, what, what is the meaning of this? Is it temporal or is it eternal? And, and how does that look? Do I want it to have meaning and purpose in the future, capital P? Or, or am I okay with it being meaningless and, and being vanity? Number two, profit. Profit is how do you benefit from something, right? So if you were to benefit from something in the world, whatever your profit would be or your benefit would be, it would be temporal, all things under the sun, which is the theme that we're going to be looking at in Ecclesiastes, and and it would fall under the classification of vanity, meaningless, worthless. But what profit do you have on the other side, on the eternal side? Jesus says, what, what profit is it if, if a man gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? There's a, the eternal element, the, the capital P purpose of God and fulfilling that purpose. The third question is toil. How much work? And is it worth it? You know, toil, hard, labor. And when you look at toil, you can classify it too into two categories. You can classify it into meaningless toil. There's nothing like being submitted or subjected to meaningless toil. Can I get a witness? Okay, no fathers in here. That Christmas time, they put the kids' toy together. They put it all together, and they've got a handful of nuts and bolts left. Like, this can't be good. And if you're a good father, you take it all apart. You try to read the instructions better and you put it back together again. Otherwise, it's going to break sooner than it would if you didn't You put the parts back in the way that they're supposed to go. And, and by the time that I'm on the third or fourth time putting it back together, thank you. Anybody? Three, four times, put it together, take it apart. Put it together, take it got, got to know where this plastic washer goes. Vanity. Vanity. Meaningless toil. And they're going to roll it out the front door, the back door, and they're going to go play in the box that it came in. That's just a little old man wisdom for y'all. Take note. I'm definitely going to be more interested in the box than the six hours it took you to put their toy together. How much work? What about the other side? So you have the meaningless toy, then you have, hey, if I'm doing something that has eternal significance, man, that's where it's at. That's where I want to put my focus and I want to put in effort and hard work. And I was thinking this morning, I was thinking just about our church, you know, and, and the fellowship and the, and the different things that we have going on right now. I'm like constantly thinking about that stuff. And I'm like, man, we're doing so much, Lord. You know, we're doing so much and it's tiring. And sometimes it can be frustrating. But if it's, but it's, if, if it's for eternity, man, it makes it so worth it. If it's for eternity in people's lives, hallelujah, amen. If you guys are all sitting here today and only two people connect with the Holy Spirit and get it, 
everybody else go home. We'll have a small Bible study. We'll sit together and drink coffee or something. No, the point is somebody is. There's an eternal reward to a toil or, or work that takes place now. So your toil and your hard work, where is it going? How much do you have to put in? Is it going to the temporal? Is it going to the eternal? And then lastly, I want to close with these four answers for you. If you're following along, you can jot these down. These are four ways that we find fulfillment in life and how we can be connected to the temporal or the eternal. Number one, career. Career. The kind of person that wants to climb the ladder. And you know, it's not even so much about making it to the top because of the salary or paycheck connected to it. It's about making it to the top because you, you, you did it. You're successful. You can have your name, you know, with little other letters on the front or the back. Whatever they are, there's all kinds of letters. And you're like, letter, 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 Tim Warholic, letter, 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 letter. And that's a, whoa, the more letters, that's cooler because you did, you're somebody, right? Your career, you made it. But even in the sense of your career, if you're not doing it for the big P, there's, it's a little P, it's mean, there's nothing that you're going to get from it. It's worthless. All those little letters that you don't even know what they mean. It's worthless. Oh, believe me, they know what they mean. Number two, status. You know, some people do it just for the status. Socioeconomic status. This is who I am. This is how I identify. This is why I do these things. This, this perception of other people, of myself. It's what I've attained to. It's a slippery slope. Now, for the first one, career, you can use your career in the big P knowing that God has placed you where you're at right now because that's where he wants you to be. Romans chapter 7 says, hey, whatever, wherever you find yourself when you became a believer, don't seek to be loose. Don't seek something different. If, if, if you find yourself and, and you're a slave, when you come to know the Lord, and all of a sudden, now you want to be made free, just calm down. Maybe you'll become free in the future. Maybe you won't. Listen, use your position, your place for God's purpose in your life today. And wherever you guys are right now today, in your jobs or at your homes or at your schools or whatever, God has you there for a purpose, specific plan and purpose for you. Don't seek to be some, somewhere else. Because if you seek to be somewhere else and you, and, you, and you turn your back on the divine purpose that God has you in that place right now, what you're going to do is you're going to turn around and start going the direction of, of meaningless vanity. If I just had this job, if I had this position, if I had this career, then it would be great. No, listen, it won't be great. It won't be great. When you're fulfilling the big P purpose, your career is going to be blessed, and you will be able to give others what you have, which should make you look at your career differently, differently anyway. Status is the same thing. Status is an elevating of oneself over others or a distinction in title. This is my status over you. But when we look at that in terms of the eternal, then the status that we have is what we should be offering people. It's, it's our status before God. It's our status even with our perspective before God. Number three, wealth. 
I want a million dollars. I want a billion dollars. I want a trillion dollars. No matter how much money you have, no matter how wealthy you want to become, you're never going to have that satisfaction that you so desperately desire and need. If it's connected to the temporal, it's going to be meaningless. Now, if it's connected to the eternal, you can invite them to church. We're trying to get into a new building. The big P, purpose. It's too dry? All right, sorry. <laughs> Even in our money, God doesn't want you know, Christians to be broke. But I've found in my experience, he gives resources to Christians who are able to do well with those resources. Not to people who just, you know, do, do with it whatever. You can use it for God's purpose. And I don't believe God's going to give it to you if, if, if you're just going to use it for your purpose. And then number four, pleasure. There's another answer to the meaning of life or those three questions that we had, pleasure. And this was where I was classified growing up. Middle, middle income, middle class family. All of my friends and all my friends' families, they all worked and they busted their hump and they, they, they put in their time so that they could have the newest, latest, and greatest toy. They had the newest, you know, dually, the, the, the nicest RV, the, the nicest off-road truck, a motorcycle, the next quad that came out, the next side-by-side. And it was all based on pleasure. And, and, and the richest man, what is it? The richest man dies with his toys or something like that? That's what all my friends, they had that little bumper sticker on the back of their trucks. The richest man, the man with the most toys wins. That's it, I nailed it. Took me a minute. <laughs> I'm tired. The man with the most toys wins. That was our mantra. I'll never forget. I had a very close friend who who um, was it? He was a he was a great guy. What can I say? You know, I I liked him. He was a, he was a good dude. And we used to work on our. We had off road cars. I was in the off road scene heavy in high school, and and we'd work on our cars. And and I had about you know I don't know. I just devoted my whole paycheck as much as I could to this little Volkswagen, you know, off-road car that I had. I had, I had a whole 1500 bucks into it or whatever, you know, and I was like scrimping and saving to buy these, crotes, these uh, scrimping and saving to buy these parts that are, they were chromed out instead of the parts that were not chrome because you don't want parts that are not chrome on your car. You want chrome parts because they're better because they're chrome and they're prettier. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you spend your money on. Vanity, vanity. All is vanity. Anyway, long story short, I had a little bit invested in my car, tried to put as much as I could into it. Um, at the time, you know, after, after, I went, uh, after I graduated high school, he had about $45,000 invested into his car. It was a four-cylinder Volkswagen engine that was turbocharged, alcohol-injected, put about 800 feet of uh, torque to the rear wheels. This thing was a monster. I'll never forget about 45 grand in this car he had. We were in his shop working on his car one, one day late at night. And I said to him, hey, man, you, you missed something. He's like, what? I said, you forgot because he's just putting, you know, some new stuff on. I was, he, you forgot to put your seatbelts in. He's like, I didn't forget. 
I'm like, good, you better put your seatbelts in. This car is a monster, you know. He said, I've got so much in this car, I'm not putting the seatbelts in on purpose because if anything happens and, and I wreck, uh, this car is my whole life, I don't want to live anymore. It was a year and a half later, his throttle stuck with that monster and he got launched off the top of a mountain and it killed him instantly like that. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Because what? Because we, we look at things like, like, our, like our status in life or, or we identify with success and we want a good career or what motivates us is to be wealthy and to, to let people know that we're wealthy and we have stuff. And, and, and what happens at the end of the day is if it's not connected to the eternal, if it's not connected to the big P, God's plan in, in the big scheme of things, it's, it's going to be vanity. That's why everything Solomon's talk, talking about is, is all of those things which happen under the sun, under the sun. Everything down here, when the focus is down here, instead of focused up there, it's going to be done. It's going to be worked out in our lives in vain. It's going to be meaningless. This is one of the reasons that I love the Lord's Prayer so much. Jesus says, I'm going to teach you guys to pray or whatever, whatever you know, version you want to read. And he says, this is what you say first and foremost, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray to God, the first thing that you have to do is you have to get that capital P perspective. We're going to see coming up in a couple of chapters. You are in heaven, I am on earth, so I'll let my words be few. God, you are the, 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 the big P, purpose, plan, perspective that I need to have. Even when I'm just coming to you and in, in boldly come before the throne of grace, God, I'm coming to you. And what am I coming to you with the mentality of? I'm coming to you with, it's not about my little P, it's about the big P. It's about the perspective that I have of what you're doing, the purpose that you've created me to be a part of. And I believe that for us as believers, as Christians, we can lose sight of this very quickly. And the purpose shifts from eternal perspective purpose to temporal personal purpose. And, and, it, and what happens is very quickly, it starts to edge from satisfaction and fulfillment and peace to dissatisfaction, loneliness, sadness, vanity, hevel, hevel, vanity, vanity. But if we can identify that thing and get our perspective right, whether it's because of our career, because of our drive, whatever, whatever the case may be, we can find satisfaction, which he struggled to find, because our desires are connected to the God who has the, the perfect purpose. You guys don't like this verse. I don't care for it at certain times of my life. But there's a verse that talks about when you're in trouble. And it says, whatever you're going through, all things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his what, church? Purpose. That, that little stinking pee again. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, not my purpose, don't sell yourself short when it comes to vanity. Don't, don't, don't go that way of, of allowing your life to, to look like it's meaningless because you've bought into the lie 
Because everything under this sun, it all plays out the same way. It all goes, nothing's changed. There's nothing new. It all happens the same. You're not going to trick the system. You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to make the quick buck. Lay yourself and your aspirations down when it comes to the little P and submit to God to the big P so that you can have that ultimate fulfillment that he wants you to have and that we so desperately need. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for speaking to us today and reminding us of this word in Ecclesiastes of of having purpose, not giving ourselves over to vanity and meaninglessness, but but having the right perspective and being connected to, to your ultimate grand eternal purpose because we have the right perspective. Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you for every single brother and sister who are here this morning. I pray that you would bless them this week, that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit, that you'd cause your face to shine down upon them, that you'd give them joy inexpressible because of the word that you gave them this morning, that they are part of a bigger P, they are part of a bigger purpose, and we as your church have submitted ourselves to you to be able to experience that and live that on a daily basis. So for any of us, Lord, who need to be corrected, for any of us who need to be brought back to center, for any of us that need to be addressed, Lord, we pray that you do it by your Holy Spirit, that we would make those adjustments and that you would be glorified in and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. 